You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello there and welcome along to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly, as always, bringing you the show here each and every week. And, uh, you know, it is the week after Christmas. I guess it's uh, this one's been recorded two days after Christmas, recording this one on Wednesday. So week 16 is in the books. We're heading towards week 17. And, of course, that means that uh, the majority of fantasy football championships have been decided. I hope you're not in a league where we're waiting here for week 17 for it to be decided because we'll be talking in a moment. There's a lot of players that are likely to be sitting out this week. But, of course, uh, we had to uh, try and come up with some content to fill you in on the show and I think we're going to have a nice fun show today and I'm, I'm going to be joined here by George Curicos. Uh, you'll know him on Twitter as Rotohack. He is a writer over at Pro Football Focus Fantasy and formerly part of the Dynasty League football crew so uh, he's always someone I love getting on the show all the way back to the early days of the OTI podcast. Uh, I've been having George coming on the show and I've uh, your old partner in crime. I love getting uh, Nick Whalen on as well so I uh, used to go a long way back with all the, the DLF stuff so George uh, welcome aboard the podcast once again yeah thanks Colm. thanks for having me i think this is either my third or fourth appearance now i kind of lost track already but but this is <laughs> other than one that i've hosted this is the podcast i've been on the most so so that's exciting to oh, be back again that's awesome that's awesome to hear and uh, i have a uh, quite a i have a very strong rotation of guests i, I do like to believe and uh, you know I, I try and go through them every so often but it's always a pleasure to get you on uh, once or twice over a season and uh, of course i guess uh, i better say as well uh, for the times it's in it uh, happy holidays that's right that's right it, it's it's happy holidays even if there's a war on christmas or whatever they're saying these days but uh no, it was a, it was a great holiday for me. I don't know about you, but but lots of lots of fun on my end, and I'm off of work for the week, so I get to do lots of relaxing. Yeah, so George is off work for the week for me. Who uh, one of one of the like the I, I threw out a tweet on Saturday morning as I headed to work at five a.m. and uh, I don't usually throw out too many tweets about my uh, personal life, but it was that I was heading uh, to work and I had a fourteen hour shift to look forward to, and uh, then the next day, then uh, I had another. Uh, a uh, 12 hour shift to work forward so in a 36 hour period I worked uh, 24 and a half hours heading up to Christmas and then I had Christmas day and uh, the day after off and then I was back at it today again so I'm just uh, a glutton for punishment and you know with last week's crazy schedule I, I still fitted in five podcast recordings uh, recording this one now as well so I don't know uh, I just maybe I'm just a, a work a work addict maybe but uh, I don't know if my wife would agree with that she probably just thinks I'm, I'm crazy and talking about fantasy football for uh, for no reason but hopefully everyone's going to enjoy talking uh, and listening to us talk and of course when we start off the show i always like to th- thank the listeners for tuning in uh, hopefully you have had a good holiday period and of course uh, you can check us out on itunes or stitch or tune in all the different ways to listen to the show can be found on overtimeireland.com and you can just uh, subscribe and get them each and every time they go online i always like to give a few plugs to some of our affiliates as well at the start of the show and uh, you know all the different links that are up there on the website but the one that i'm going to plug this week is the nfl shop europe and the 10 percent off code that they do offer to all our listeners here on the podcast uh, anything on their website and i know they've on some fantastic sales here just after the christmas period i know last week i got a lot of people tweeting me to find out what the link was so they could buy presents for their uh, family and friends so uh, if you go on to the web or I tweeted out very very regularly the link is up there on the affiliates page click on it head on over and anything on their website when you go to check out they will automatically deduct 10% off your order so check that out as nflshopeurope.com and of course remember to use the link on the Overtime Ireland website so 
you mentioned there that it was a good week for you, George, and um, you know the the 2017 fantasy season for most people now in the books. Are you in any leagues that are uh, heading on over here to week 17? I know about maybe six or seven years ago, I went into a, a league. Somebody tweeted and uh, wanted me to join, and I went in. It was a week. It was actually a week 16 and 17. Uh, two kind of legs, like a double header final, and uh, one of the the worst decisions I ever have uh, have done in my life. We we don't do fortunately we don't do any uh, week seventeen championship weeks, but we do have one league where uh, you know week sixteen wraps up the championship, and we just do kind of a week seventeen. Your roster's locked, and you can put in your lineup, so no pickups or anything. But then whoever gets the highest score in week seventeen gets like a little bonus prize out of the, the cash pool. And it's just a fun way to extend it out for a week and just kind of see, you know, some people will jockey for position in week 16, knowing they're out of the championship, put a guy at the end of the roster that maybe is a week 17 play. Um, but, but it's a fun way to kind of add a, another week and a few more dollars into the pot. So um, other than that though, nothing else. Yeah. And it, it also uh, keeps everyone kind of interactive and in, in the league, uh, even at the, that last week and a little bit more of a basketball format then for the last week. So I, I actually like that part of it. That is uh, quite a good idea so as a as a whole the 2017 fantasy season how did it uh, go for you mine's kind of fell apart and yeah yeah in the last no, two weeks. <laughs> it, it went uh it went pretty well overall i was uh, i was in a college fantasy football league that a couple of the guys from roto world put together it was 50 teams and ended up winning that one a few weeks back uh so that that was kind of the uh the the big win for the season so that was nice uh and then after that you know it was all kind of icing on the cake and i i did end up winning one more championship i got a second place in one where i lost by a few points uh the championship i won i won by 0.6 points that was really close and then i lost a third place game by about a point uh in a in a chicago league with uh some of the uh other chicago area writers so um, definitely kind of a lot of close games, but overall did pretty well. And, and, you know, part of it's having fun. I had a kitchen sink, uh, Ryan McDowell's kitchen sink leagues. Uh, I ended up winning the toilet bowl in that one. So I got a nice compensatory pick out of that, uh, which is perfect for my team that is not quite at the playoff level yet, but I think next year will be the year when I get some guys off of the taxi squad. So it's a lot of positive things. And, and because I'm a big dynasty guy, you know, we don't really shut it off at any point, you know, in the calendar year or so. Uh, I'm looking forward to the offseason, some trades and some other fun rookie drafts and all that fun stuff. Yeah, and talking Dynasty guys, uh, Dan Sanio, uh, part of the Dynasty Tradecast team over at Roto- Rotoviz, uh, he won the Scott Fishbowl this year. He picked up the prize and that, so that was a, a big props to him on that one. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned with Dynasty Leagues, and I know I'm involved in the uh, Capitalist Pigs 2 League that Scott, Scott Fish has going on. And, uh, just uh, you think all oh, the season's winding down and Scott sends over four or five emails just to, to get things going again so it's always fun in uh, Dynasty really this is the, the time of the year where we all do start to get excited and with that then in a few moments we're going to be talking a little bit about 2018 in the first round of uh, redraft ADP but we'll also talk maybe about some prospects that can have uh, a Dynasty impact as we head here into week 17 but uh, I guess when we look at the actual playoffs the, the fantasy playoffs it has to be pretty much uh, the most valuable player of the MVP of the playoffs has to be uh, Todd Gurley. Is, uh, is there any doubt in that? No, I don't I don't think there can be. I mean, geez, you know, what what he did for people. I think uh, Graham Barfield might have tweeted out that, that his week 14 to 16 was the highest scoring fantasy playoffs of, of anybody. Uh, and, and, I mean, you look at what he's done just throughout the year, not, not to mention the fantasy playoffs. I mean, there's no doubt he's the MVP of both the playoffs and probably most people's fantasy season. So, 
man, what a what a great year for him after such a tough year last year. And uh, you know, obviously, if you if you followed him back at Georgia, you know, he had a bad knee injury, and and so it, it's it's been a fun ride to to see what he's done. Unfortunately, I did not own as many shares as I should have. Uh, that probably would have helped me win a few more titles if that was the case. Yeah, there's certain players, you know, like Gurley, like uh, if you had Antonio Brown throughout the season, Le'Veon Bell, there's a lot of players like that that they could have carried your team uh, single-handedly through the season. But if you had uh, Gurley over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, you, you pretty much uh, ran through uh, your playoff field if that was the case. And uh, you mentioned, I think, uh, you know, when you look back at some of the, the all-time great playoff stretches, and there's quite a few of them that feature Jamal Charles or Rob Gronkowski, but this one here has just been absolutely insane from the game with the Seahawks to the game this week. It just... The, the box score and the stats are just uh, incredible and you mentioned uh, not having him in enough teams I, I, I'm in the same boat last year I had him in a lot of teams obviously he was going in that early first round uh, of redraft ADP and uh, obviously uh, it didn't work out last year and I kind of stayed away from him this year but anyone that picked him up uh, has to be very very happy with uh, how they done this season is there anyone else for you that uh, came close you know in terms of the playoffs and the MVP we obviously seen uh, Kareem Hunt have a, a slow middle point of the season but finish it off strong is there any other players that uh, you know really you could put in there in that chase maybe for the the second overall to Gurley yeah I mean there were a few guys I thought did really well I mean Mark Ingram was a guy who really turned it on the second half and I mean Alvin Kamara you could put him there too you know if you want to count both guys but both guys had great you know lead-ups to the playoffs and and probably pushed a lot of teams that maybe were on the cusp into the playoffs and there that that shouldn't be understated either uh, and then, you know, I, I made a trade for Mark Ingram in the league, in the Dynasty League. I won, and and he was a big reason I ended up running through the playoffs because I, I had Odell Beckham on injured reserve. I had Allen Robinson on injured reserve, and then Antonio Brown was out for the championship games. So I was down a lot of pieces. So he was a guy for in particular for me who did well. Uh, but, I mean, there were there were a lot of good players that, that really stepped up. Eric Ebron's another one. Um, you know, a little bit different, though. You know, you think about some of the past years, uh, when you get those guys who kind of come out of nowhere, and not that Ebron's out of nowhere, but but a guy who was underperforming until the playoffs, and uh, and it's a little bit different than a guy like Gurley who just stepped it up another level, you know, come the the fantasy playoffs as if he knew, not that he probably cares, but as if he knew that that people needed him then. But uh, yeah, it was there were a lot of guys who stepped up. I thought Carson Wentz would be one of those guys. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Jared Goff had a good you know, uh, fantasy playoffs as much as everyone calls quarterbacks very fungible and not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, indispensable, if you will. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting to see some guys who stepped up towards the end. Kareem Hunt, you mentioned as well. So, um, yeah, it was, and, and it's going to lead into our talk next year with 2018, right? How many of those big finishes maybe make people think about some of those guys early in 2018? Yeah, it really can uh, change the dynamic uh, uh, as we see from week to week. Uh, the, you know, whatever's fresh in people's minds, <laughs> that's usually what they go with. But uh, you know, uh, when we look at it, you mentioned nobody really coming out of the pack from just a, a complete surprise standpoint to help somebody win a league over the last kind of four or five weeks. There was those guys that we thought might be able to do that, but nobody really, I don't think, pushed out of the pack like a like a Tim Hightower last year. You know, we've seen these players just come from nowhere off the waiver wire and help win it there's been people during the season who have done that but over the last two weeks we haven't really seen anyone do that have we not not that i can think of offhand you know it's funny you're wearing your packers hat and i think of all the the packers running backs like the ryan grants and uh you know all those guys who kind of came up during injuries in the second half of seasons and stuff and propelled you know people to a few titles you think of like steve slayton or uh you know some of those guys um 
oh gosh, you know, Billy Volek that one year when, when it was him and Drew Bennett kind of going crazy. I mean, we didn't really have anything like that the same way this year. We definitely had guys who were drafted and, and overperformed the draft position, but I didn't feel like there was quite as many of those guys who, you know, joined that big conversation that maybe weren't even in the, in draft consideration, much less uh, starting consideration, um, yeah, no, especially I, in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I feel, I feel the same way. I, I, I always try and find that guy who can make that surge, but it didn't really happen uh, this year but a, a player who did make a late season surge and you mentioned him Eric Ebron he's somebody who struggled to begin the season after the first six weeks he just won finish into the top 30 fantasy tight ends and he was losing snaps to Darren Fells and you know someone in dynasty circles who's always had that you know back and behind him but people were really starting to to, to kind of throw throw him out of their uh, rankings altogether uh, and after week eight then his worst finish has been tight end 23 and six of his nine games have produced top 14 fantasy finishes and a bit like Todd Gurley over the last three weeks uh, and for the fantasy playoffs he has finished tight end four tight end eight and tight end two so that makes him the top scorer off the last three weeks but he was somebody who always kind of held his value in dynasty but I do think that he really did take a big hit in those first eight weeks of the season as ADP in December fell all the way to 140th overall. So with that late season surge, where do you see him uh, kind of bouncing back to in the January ADP and what do you think of his prospects going forward? He was somebody in that Capitalist Pigs 2 league that I am ta- talked about with uh, Scott Fish that like I don't know, I don't know trade prior to the trade deadline, no, well before the trade deadline, probably around week maybe week nine and uh he was pretty much a throw and people were just trying to uh, get him off the roster at, the, at that stage yeah i mean he has kind of that same issue that that people feel like with kobe fleener where he's a guy who can have some huge games you just don't know when it's going to happen and so it's kind of scary to try to start him every week and and hope to predict it correctly and with a guy like ebron i mean he's not a big tall guy the way that you know Kelsey or Gronkowski or some of these elite guys are so I mean he's not really a traditional touchdown scorer you you talked about those three weeks and his finishes I mean two of those weeks he had touchdowns and the other week he caught 10 receptions for I believe it was 96 yards so yeah it's it's tough to predict the touchdowns which then kind of limits his ceiling a little bit so for me it's hard to put him Obviously, you can't put him with Kelsey and and Gronkowski. I mean, that three-week is just not really indicative of what you're going to get from him. I'd have a hard time really putting him even in the top 10 just with all the talent that exists at tight end. And you look at the Lions, I mean, they have a lot of receiving options. Marvin Jones has had a good year. Golden Tate is doing Golden Tate things. Theo Riddick is is doing well. And then Kenny Galladay is a great deep threat for them. Yeah, it looks very good. I mean, I think... You know, he's a guy who right now is mostly a deep threat, but I could see year two, he starts to evolve and become more of a complete receiver. He definitely has the skills there. So I I just don't know if there's enough room for Ebron on that team to really do much more than what he's doing, which is kind of a 50 to maybe 60 catch guy with limited touchdown upside and probably more of a short to intermediate threat and not much of a deep guy. Yeah, I think I feel the same way. Somebody who I've always liked and he just hasn't delivered, but uh, you know, I have him in a, a much, much higher category than Kobe Fleener, but I, I, like you said, if he was in my top 10, he would be at the very, very end of it. Uh, he's nowhere near those, you know, the, the top four or five tight ends in, in terms of uh, looking at it that way. But he does uh, just, he's still somebody who interests me, and I always try and find those tight ends maybe after two or three years in the league who people are starting to maybe sour on. And 
I always think year three, year four, year five is when tight ends really start to develop. So he's an interesting one to watch. And you also mentioned Kenny Galladay. I think he's a, a prime candidate if you can get him in uh, dynasty leagues. I think people will still because he's only coming into his second year. But we've seen over the last maybe maybe two or three years after the 2014 class in particular where they had such success as rookies coming straight out in the out of the draft in the first two or three years they had a lot of success we've seen over the last couple of years where if you don't have success in year one people almost start to to just try and cash out and get some of that uh, capital back that they invested in the early first round the year prior so i think uh, you know galladay is somebody who maybe you can get a a nice deal for because i think he's going to have a very good second year and i think as well when you look at Golden Tate getting a little bit older. I think there there is the opportunity there for him. Is is Galladay somebody long term, even in the next two to three years? You you think uh, is a good target? I think so. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't necessarily know how Golden Tate or even Marvin Jones are going to age in the next couple of years. I mean, Tate I believe is twenty eight or twenty nine already. Uh, so I mean, he's not necessarily a young guy. Uh, Marvin Jones. I mean, he's done pretty well and he's on a on a pretty long term deal. But I think Galladay just gives a different kind of dynamic than him and Tate is so successful in the slot when he plays there I mean they've kind of shifted him over the years you know when Calvin Johnson was there he was a little bit more of a slot guy then he kind of became an outside guy before Marvin came and then Marvin came and he's kind of rotated between the two positions more I think Holiday gives them the flexibility to put him in the slot and that's where it could hurt a guy like Ebron but it definitely helps Galladay out and it's funny you mentioned the 2014 class because there was that like you said, immediate wave of success, you know, Sammy Watkins, when he wasn't hurt, did really well his rookie season and Mike Evans and Odell Beckham and all these guys. But then there was that second wave of guys. You think about Devonte Adams was a guy in that class and you had Nelson Aguilar this year and, and Marquise Lee was another one. And I, so it's, it's interesting to kind of see, you know, yes, it was true that a lot of there, there was a lot of immediate returns, but you look at that patience that we've historically seen with wide receivers and needing to wait that second or even third year. And that's come to fruition for more of those 2014 receivers, which makes it an even stronger class. Yeah, and I think as well, when you look, you mentioned the patience. I think traditional dynasty players will have the patience if you're playing, you know, for, say, previous to five years ago but i what i've noticed with a lot of players now that have come from redraft and are now entering dynasty leagues as they gain more popularity i think that element of patience isn't there and they they tend to just think oh well you know one year and i want to get rid of this guy get a new guy and i always talk about the shiny new toy and and Aguilar wasn't somebody that i bought into this offseason but like if you bought into him, he was at the the lowest of the low in terms of his stock. And if you bought in there, you're just onto a real winner with him. But it's interesting too to look at that class. You mentioned Watkins, even Jordan Matthews. Uh, there's so many of those guys that come in and really off the bat started so hot. Mike Evans as well for his first two or three years. But it's interesting to see those guys have some struggles at the moment. While you know we mentioned Marquise Lee, Devontae Adams, they seem to have really developed and pushed on. So it's it's interesting to see the the dynamic of that class as well. Yeah, and you and I mean, if you look a year later, you could add Amari Cooper to the mix as a guy who started strong and now has kind of struggled a little bit more. And then with this year's class, you think about Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, obviously had some really strong games, whereas a lot of the first-round picks, Corey Davis, now a little bit has stepped up after obviously missed part of the season with injury. Uh, but John Ross never really got to play, and Mike Williams, you know, he has played a little bit, but they're really not giving him a ton of playing time. Those guys could be fun guys to chase after this offseason, you know, and, and maybe you don't get a discount, but you might get fair value to try to get those guys right now, especially if you don't believe in the wide receiver class uh, of, of 2018, you know, this one coming out, which which some people aren't really as high on as, as maybe the last couple. 
So there, there's some opportunity there to potentially go after those guys. And, and they're not in bad situations with the Chargers and the Bengals and the Titans. You know, all have pretty, uh, you know, solid situations for them to, to walk into and do well, at least in year two. Yeah, and uh, Juju has been just awesome to watch this year. He's shown, kind of, I think he's shown a real maturity. You would, he doesn't remind me of a rookie, the way he, he plays the game, the way he handles himself. He's been very, very impressive. You mentioned John Ross, and you would nearly forget about him based on the fact that we haven't really seen him uh, get a sniff of the field. So it's just uh, an interesting situation there, and as well, Mike Williams. So uh, they're players that I do think this summer, play, owners of those players will be panicking and you know, they might take a, a late second for somebody who last year was a, a high first round pick. And, you know, you can sometimes, sometimes that doesn't work out for you. But if it works out, uh, obviously, it's uh, something that will be fantastic for your dynasty team. Moving on uh, to look at some more current news, some news over the past uh, couple of days with week 16. And that is DeMarco Murray uh, has a knee injury and it's a third degree MCL tear. So if you uh, just check that up, that would be the exact same as a full tear of his MCL so obviously that's not good and uh, Adam Schefter has reported that uh, Murray wants to play through the injury uh, you know on Tuesday Mike Malarkey said that he he thinks Murray will have a limited role in the must win week 17 game for them but it's pretty much uh, I think a, a no-go here for DeMarco Murray and we've seen him play this season hobbled a lot of times with a lot of different injuries hamstring injuries knee ailments you know, I've been sent for a long, long time this season. Early in the season, they should have shut him down, give him two or three weeks off, get him back healthy, see what he can do. But uh, is this the time that we finally see Derrick Henry get a full workload, or is he still going to have to split time with DeMarco Murray, who has uh, severely underperformed this season? I mean, I would hope at least they would put, if if Murray is really intent on playing and they really want to use him, that they maybe keep him more to maybe passing downs and, and limit him to, to that portion of the game and give henry the opportunity to kind of be the first and second down back the red zone back that type of player and see what he can do because he's been a guy who has broken more tackles this year despite having i think about 40 fewer carries than murray he's also averaging over a yard more after contact than murray has and part of that's because of those injuries you know he's struggling to kind of break free and even when he does it it takes him a little bit to to kind of get up to speed I mean, Murray's, a, you know, he's been a great back. He's he's a very good player. It's just, you know, the wear and tear is, is starting to catch up a little bit. And and with Henry, I mean, you have a, a very talented player with an offensive line that's been built really well. And it just seems like this is the opportunity. And, and, and maybe they showcase that a little bit in, in week 17. But I feel like 2018, he's going to be that guy who, you know, could – stay outside of the first round of, of you know drafts uh redrafts and things like that but maybe returns that kind of value because i think he's that good and the team is is that well set up to to really benefit him yeah and i i think he i think maybe the hype has outgrown his actual playing time like what he's done so far in his time in the league but there's no doubt there's ability there and i think that if he got more snaps on a weekly basis i think we would start to see him uh be able to produce a little bit more uh, sometimes we see the flash plays he had a long run against the i think it was against the texans to seal the game and you know it gets everyone you know all hyped up but there's no doubt about it at this point in time and with the injuries that Murray has had all season that I just can't see why they don't have him in more often against the the Colts a couple of weeks back we've seen that the, on one of the last drives of the game they pretty much give him the carry on every every carry the whole way downfield and then they put DeMarco Murray and uh, at the and uh, at the two yard line as the fullback and uh, Henry uh, as the halfback and they give the ball to, to Murray to, to surge into the end zone so uh, just for whatever reason they seem to be uh, just extremely invested in uh, DeMarco Murray but we'll see what happens this week but uh, 2018 I think there, there's no doubt that the, this backfield has to change 
change in terms of who the lead back is. Uh, the New England Patriots, as they tend to do, pick up uh, a competitive uh, advantage if they can, and that is that they uh, have signed uh, linebacker James Harrison off the Steelers. Uh, he he pretty much didn't play for the Steelers this season. He played 40 snaps uh, all season long. Uh, TJ Watt had kind of replaced him there in the lineup. So, uh, you know, but more than anything, I think they're going to take him over to try and maybe get some uh, old secrets out of what uh, James Harrison uh, has from the Steelers organization. Is that what you kind of look into this one as more uh, see what we can find out rather than uh, give him much playing time? Yeah, I mean, that has to be the the first and foremost is probably that. I mean, I could see him maybe rotating in on a few sub packages, that type of thing. But I mean, how much is he going to be able to contribute? I mean, he's not a young guy. He's 39. Don't get me wrong. You see the videos and oh, my gosh, you know, maybe the strongest human in the world. world. Right. Exactly. Uh, But but obviously at that age, it's it's a little tough to to stay competitive, especially if you want to play 60, 70 snaps. He's not going to be that guy. But, you know, the gamesmanship obviously plays into that, like you said, you know, being able to to tip a, a few cards out of the deck of the Steelers and you know, kind of keep yourself a little bit ahead competitively. And, and we all know the Patriots are pretty good at trying to find ways to, to remain a, a step ahead of everyone else. So, Yeah, and uh, I guess when we're talking about uh, the teams, uh, I meant to mention this when you mentioned about the Packers hat, but I, I know it was probably a very joyous uh, Saturday evening for you watching the, the Vikings and the Packers. I know you wouldn't be supporting the Vikings, but you probably enjoyed seeing the Packers getting crushed as they did, uh, wasn't wasn't all that good for me to, to see, but uh, I kind of kind of was expecting it. Yeah, Bears fan in Wisconsin is always going <laughs> to enjoy a a little bit of humble pie serve to the Packers fans up here. So it's 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 kind of been nice to to get that for at least one season. But then it'll go back to usual next year when they get their ten to twelve wins and make the playoffs and and all that fun stuff. So I'm I'm enjoying this right now because I know it's going to be short lived. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, if you've seen some of the reports over the last couple of days, uh, a lot of the teams aren't happy that the uh, the Packers put Aaron Rodgers back on IR. And of course, with the rules, uh, if he is, if it wasn't that you know a severe injury, that the, they're meant to release uh, the player while uh, when he becomes healthy. I can't see the Packers agreeing to uh, that part of the the scenario, but a lot of teams not happy about it. I think we will end up seeing a, a rule change uh, over the head of this situation. I think it's something that. Uh, they'll try and stop from happening in future years but I know something that uh, obviously you being a, a big college f- uh, football fan will be interested in that's of course uh, UCLA quarterback Josh Rosenson he would be willing to fall in the draft if it meant winding up with the right team a lot of people have said that this pretty much means that he would be willing to fall in the draft to avoid landing with the Cleveland Browns so uh, wh- what do you expect to happen here and pretty much if the Browns want him there's not going to be a hell of a lot that uh, he can do about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've seen it a couple times over the last, you know, 30 years or so. I mean, obviously, everyone knows about Eli Manning not wanting to to be on the the Chargers and so kind of engineered the trade to the Giants. And I mean, I guess that's a possibility because similar to that draft, I mean, you have other quarterbacks who are highly regarded who could potentially be in that kind of trade situation like Rivers and Manning were. And then there was the one with, with John Elway where he threatened to play baseball, professional baseball, rather than play for the Colts. And so, you know, there is a little bit of precedent for it. I mean, I, I don't know if the, the Browns are going to be uh, so enamored with him and, and so turned off from Sam Darnold or uh, Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson or whoever they see as, as kind of that next guy, Josh Allen. Uh, but, I mean, he could threaten to sit out for a year and reenter the draft in a year or return to UCLA. I mean, those are options. I mean, not not very Great options probably for him as he probably wants to make his money as quick as possible. 
Uh, but you know, when you think about the Browns, other than the coaching, it's it's actually not a bad situation to go into. It's it's a pretty good running game and has a lot of talent at wide receiver and 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 Joku at tight end. I mean, the offensive line they've built up pretty well. Uh, the defense is starting to get better. I mean, you look at their front seven; it's not bad. I mean. It, it, it wouldn't be the worst situation to walk into. It's just, I get it though. It's, there's so much dysfunction there. I just don't know if Rosen really wants to to deal with that. And and he's has some development to do on his own end and they may want to rush him in too quickly. And maybe that's part of the decision as well, where a team like the Giants who need a quarterback still have an Eli Manning and he could sit for a half a season or longer if needed. And uh, I have two questions to go with this here. One, the first one is, uh, can the Browns beat the Steelers this week to uh, to get that one elusive win, or are they going to win 16? Oh, man. I mean, I, I think, I don't remember how much the Steelers have to play for at this point, but I wonder if the backups are probably better than the yeah, Browns at this point. That, that's that's probably what's going to happen. I, I'd imagine the, the Steelers maybe put the, you know, maybe play a series with the, the lead guys out there, but I think we'll see a lot of the, the backups come in quite early in this one, if not from the very, very start. So there is that bonus kind of bit of positive news for the Browns but uh, it's going to be tough I really I kind of do hope that they do get you know that win uh, just you know it's 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 never more for the fan base than anything it's not anything to celebrate winning one game in a season but you don't want to be that team that uh, gets no wins at all over a, a whole 16 game size yeah I mean and and that that'd be some interesting bragging rights over a divisional opponent in the Steelers so uh, so I that'd actually be kind of fun uh, and the Steelers, of course, could end up going on to win the Super Bowl. So I suppose they could brag <laughs> brag with that, having the, the number one overall pick in the draft and having already beaten the Super Bowl champions. We'll see what happens there. But the other question is, with this draft class, it is a very interesting draft class. Uh, you know, would Josh Rosen be high on your list? Or uh, who do you think is the, the top maybe one or two quarterbacks in this class? Yeah, for me, I think it's it's Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold, to me, are the top two right now. I, I, I like some of the others but i think those two are the top two right now uh i mean as obviously we have several months before things really uh really heat up but i i'd say it's those two and then i i have baker mayfield ahead of josh allen i'm just not really liking allen i think he's a really inconsistent uh, just kind of poor decision maker so I, I just don't know if i can trust him uh and then lamar jackson would be my fourth with with allen somewhere in the outside of the first round because I just don't think he's a first round quarterback despite the gigantic arm that he possesses uh kind of has kind of that Kyle Bowler if you remember him from the Ravens kind of that type of uh you know low accuracy but big arm probably will do something cool at the combine like you know kneel and and throw it 75 yards <laughs> to the field goal post or whatever they do but um yeah I mean Darnold and, and Rosen are potential you know franchise guys and I think Mayfield's pretty close to that uh, and then Lamar Jackson is the big wild card, but on the right team, he could be a guy who could be really successful as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, class turns out. And the other player, I suppose, when we're on quarterbacks, we should mention is uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who is now six and zero as a starter in the NFL. When you combine Patriots and Forty ers games, but he, I've I've been extremely impressed with what he's done so far. How, how impressed have you been with uh, Jimmy G? Oh yeah, tremendously impressed. I mean, you look at that wide receiver group and and you have to be amazed what he's been able to accomplish with I mean, you could argue is is you know, basically leftovers from last season because I mean, Goodwin wasn't considered much and uh you know, his uh, George Kittle's pretty good as a rookie uh at tight end, but I mean, you know, even Carlos Hyde has kind of struggled a little bit and he's still done really well. 
uh, Garoppolo that is. So yeah, super impressed with him. And uh, I'm curious to see one, what he gets in terms of his, uh, his contract. I mean, I have to imagine the, the 49ers are going to have to, to pony up based on what he's doing. And two, I want to see what they do as far as a franchise trying to surround him with more weapons because they certainly could use a, a, a big receiver. And with this free agent class, there's opportunity to add some options there. Uh, you know, a fair number of that 2014 class we talked about are going to be free agents, and there's there's a good chance that they could try to go after one or two. Yeah, there's a lot of them. They'll, you know, you'll have Allen Robinson, depending on what the Packers do with Devontae Adams. There's, there's just a lot of them. I think uh, Sammy Watkins. Right. I, I don't think the Rams are going to sign him long term, but we'll see what happens there. But there's lots of different options, and good one isn't a, a number one wide receiver, but I think he's a very good secondary piece if they can get somebody opposite him, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with Carlos Hyde. But, you know, that was always the issue if they if they played Jimmy Garoppolo in this season, that, you know, they might just, uh, if he did play as good, he's probably played as good as he could possibly play, and, uh, he, you know, that just means that they're going to have to pay him a lot more money at this point in time. But for a second-round pick, to find if they, if they want to pay him like a franchise quarterback, they've done a really uh, nice job and finding him for that value uh, you know at this point in time so I guess uh, another piece of news is that the Cardinals coach uh, Bruce Arians says he will decide his future after the week uh, 17 finale against the Seahawks there's been kind of contradicting reports on his future plans whether he's going to stay around or if he's going to retire but we'll see what he does there there'll be a lot of coaches this week that won't have a say in what their decisions for 2018 are going to be that uh, they'll be uh, getting uh, their last paycheck uh, over the next week or so and um, with uh, 2018 being the talk here at the moment, the top five picks uh, for 2018, I think uh, if we're looking at redraft, we're probably looking at all running backs uh, for, for 2018. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think the only guy with a chance to sneak in, in my opinion, is Antonio Brown, because most likely his situation won't change very much, whereas Odell Beckham, as talented as he is, and I know he's been out for the year, but you know, Eli Manning might not be the quarterback there next year. We just don't know yet, so it's it's possible that could shift but yeah i think it's i think it's running backs i, I think for me at least there's a pretty clear top three in some order of of Gurley, ezekiel elliott and Le'Veon bell to me those three are a little bit above everyone else just with david johnson still having to come back from injury alvin kamara we're not really sure if mark ingram comes back because i think there's an out clause in his contract you know and then obviously the there'll be about ten thousand articles about kamara's regression to the mean and you know touchdown rates and all that fun stuff uh and then you have some other guys like like kareem hunt and melvin gordon and and those guys and you know where do they sneak into that conversation because they've had some pretty good weeks but then obviously have had some lows as well but yeah i think it's definitely going to be a running back heavy uh early part of of drafts next uh next season yeah, I could see uh, that first round, you know, the first 12 picks. I could see there being, you know, nine running backs taken. And that and that'll be a huge change from two years ago where it was pretty much the opposite where we've seen everyone starting to go wide receiver. But the running backs this year have just performed so uh, highly. And, you know, you mentioned there uh, Kamara and Hunt being behind that. Then, of course, David Johnson will be coming back for injury. But if you're looking at that top three, and I do agree with you on the top three, that it'll be Zeke Gurley and Le'Veon Bell. If you go through those three, uh, what would your order be? I think I would, at this point in time, have to go with uh, Zeke as the third option there. But who would be your first option out of those three? Oh, it's tough. I mean, we talked about Gurley, and it's really hard to bet against him. Obviously, you know, there was that low from, from 2016 he had, but the way the offense looks and the way that, that everything is... It's hard to bet against him right now as as the top guy just because 
you know, the, the Cowboys clearly have a few issues on the offense with when Ezekiel's out. So do they make some changes to try to bolster that passing game a little bit? And with Le'Veon Bell, I mean, there's always obviously the, the suspension risk and everything else. But, I mean, there's some aging, uh, you know, at the quarterback position with Roethlisberger. And, and you could argue with Antonio Brown to an extent as well. So to me, Gurley feels like the safest. And that's why I'm kind of going in that direction. But but I would say Gurley probably bell second and and like you said zeke i would have third but you you really probably can't go wrong with any of the three next year yeah that would be that would be the way i would roll it's just i wanted to to see uh where you're going to split split them up but i think bell this season two it has to be taken into account just by you know how much they've run him into the ground i know uh, todd Gurley has had a lot of work on the ground as well but a lot of his production as well has come through the air and i know bell has had production through the air as well but they've just really this year it kind of looked a bit like it reminded me of when uh, the cowboys ran uh, demarco murray just pretty much in, into the ground in his last season before he went to philadelphia and then the next season his legs just didn't look uh, to be there so do you think there's a, a possibility of something like that happening with uh, Bell next year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely possible. I, I think I've seen some some work done, and I, I want to say it was maybe Jason Lisk, uh, Adam Harstead pointed me that way. But, uh, you know, the 400 touch, uh, you know, phenomenon and everything. But, but really what they've seen a larger correlation to injury is when you have a, a series of very high touch games. So, like, not so much that you hit 400, but that you had maybe 40 carries, you know, in a game you know, three games in a row and had this ridiculous stretch of a couple of games that can really cause a lot of uh, risk of injury when you just have a couple of really grinding weeks. And I think as long as the Steelers have him, he's always at risk for that just because of how heavily they're going to want to lean on him just with the defense and uh, with Roethlisberger and kind of, you know, him slowing down at least a you know, half step or whatever it may be. Uh, but yeah, he's, he, there's a risk there to, to be sure for sure. I think that's why Gurley for me is a little bit ahead in that regard because I don't think they're quite as as unforgiving with Gurley because I think they're just a little more invested in him right now as far as the team is concerned. Uh, so let's uh, look now a little bit to week 17. Um, you know, some of us might have uh, a little bit of DFS action to go this week and uh, try and get some of those under the radar guys that could spark you to a big week. Or maybe somebody, like you mentioned, Ken, with your league that had the, the week 17 kind of baseball format. Maybe people are starting to look to try and stash somebody for Dynasty and pick them up now and see then what they can do with them throughout the off season. So are there some un- under the radar guys that you think could uh, show us something here in week 17 or you're looking to have you know, that, that you're looking at that, you know, you've seen some little bits from them, but you could see a big step forward when they get more playing time here in week 17. I mean, there's definitely some guys that I'm interested to see how they respond to that playing time. Uh, I'm not I'm not as big of a DFS guy as I am more of the redraft and dynasty. But but, you know, even in those formats, you want to see how some of these guys do down the stretch. Geronimo Allison's a guy with the Packers who will be really interesting to see just because. Uh, you know, he'll get an opportunity to play outside and, and you know, obviously the team isn't in the playoffs or anything uh, and, and they're going to be using Brett Hundley. But I think it, you know, he was a guy who came out and was a little bit raw, but has shown some promise. So he's one that I'm really looking for. I think the Cowboys, now that they're eliminated out of the playoffs, maybe a guy like Bryce Butler, th- those type of guys, you know, those backup wide receivers uh, might get an opportunity you know, what, what does the future hold for them post Witten? Maybe we'll see, you know, them actually use another tight end. Uh, you know, some of the other ones uh, I'm thinking about uh, the Rams, you know, they may, they may look to, to bench a few guys in that game. So we could look to see some of those other receivers. Cause they have a lot of young receivers on that team. 
behind Watkins and behind Woods. You know, Cup obviously has done really well, but you have Farrell Cooper still there. You have Josh Reynolds there, who's another rookie. So, so I want to look and see what they're they're going to do as well. And and you know, really anyone who's eliminated from playoff contention doesn't have a ton of uh, reason to to really run out a lot of those starters and and risk you know long term injury. So, you know, teams like the Bears and the Browns and those type of teams, I'm sure they're going to exercise through their roster a little bit just to to see what they have. Uh, you know, stashed away, but, but yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see kind of some of these guys who, you know, can get some extended playing time. It's kind of like the preseason, but I think it's a little bit more realistic because you will get a good number of starters still actually playing. Yeah. And uh, you know, you mentioned there Geronimo Allison and he has been the player every time there's been an injury to either Jordy Nelson or uh, Devontae Adams. He has been the next player up every time, and he does tend to get locks in when he gets on the field. So this week as well, Jordy Nelson's expected to sit with a shoulder injury. So that is, uh, you know, we could see Geronimo Allison getting a, a lot of snaps and a lot of work this week. So he, uh, he's an interesting one if you want to try and stash him for next season as well. Jordy Nelson is 33 in May, and he's going to be heading into the final year of his contract. It'll pay him. 9.25 million which the Packers can save a hell of a lot of that money if they were to release him from that contract so there is the op- the possibility that could happen as well so I'm not saying that uh, John Wilson uh, ends up as the, the Packers uh, starting wide receiver next year of course the draft and free agency and everything to go but there's always uh, the possibility to, to pick him up now and see if his uh, you know dra- his uh, draft stock or uh, whether his dynasty value can increase a little bit over the next couple of weeks and George uh, as we finish up here I, I did see you tweet out this week uh, and I'll read out the tweet and then I'll let you talk about it but you said I have charted 24 college receivers this season and have been playing with a new stat to track pass breakup percentage only two wide receivers so far this season have seen over 10% of their targets broken up by a defender uh, that was Trent Erwin at 14.9 and Cortland Sutton at 13.7 you're still working out you said what it means for a wide receiver but I thought it was very interesting and something that we could you know try and see uh, what could happen with it but do you want to elaborate a little bit more on uh, why you started the process and what you think the uh, the end result of it might be yeah so so every year and and this is something i do for for myself and uh, as a way to kind of uh keep myself connected to, to a lot of college players is i like to play debbie and i like to, to do the dynasty leagues obviously and everything so so college is an important facet and you can get really lost very easily in the nfl side <laughs> of things uh much less college uh i i, I chart all these receivers i just have a big Google spreadsheet and I track a bunch of different things, everything from uh, targets and big plays, red zone usage, all those types of things. And so one of the things I added this year was was pass breakups. And so what I looked at was what was the percentage of time that a defender would break up a target relative to the total target distribution that a receiver had. And I wasn't really sure what it was going to tell me. So I just said, let's just track it. Maybe it means nothing, but maybe it means something. And so uh, you know, I looked at it just this this past week before a lot of the bowl games have kind of taken place. Uh, but what I saw was, uh, you know, those couple of receivers had had, you know, trended high in terms of the percent of pass breakups. And and as I look into it more, what I'm starting to see is the guys who are those deep threats. And and as an NFL corollary, you think of a guy like Wolf Fuller, for example, or or uh, you know, John Ross was was another one those type of guys don't tend to get a lot of passes broken up because of the way that they're used on the field, that they're guys who are used, you know, less in these contested ball situations, more in, you know, kind of that 
run past your guy down the field and and you know if you have a step on him it's less likely to be broken up that type of thing and what i did see was the guys with the higher pass breakup percentage were either guys like Corton sutton who will be a first round pick is a really interesting player and he's a big body you know kind of jump ball type of guy so naturally there's going to be defenders around him or a guy like trent Irwin, uh who's more of a kind of intermediary possession type guy you think of more towards like a Jarvis Landry and again the ability to separate is a little bit harder for those guys because they're not elite speed guys they're not uh you know big physical guys who can kind of get that little push off and and get away with it uh so so those are the guys that seem to get broken up and so what that does is it just means that they're gonna have a lot more contested situations to deal with and and I think that's where that pass breakup percentage kind of helps define who are the guys that maybe are dealing with a lot more kind of contestation during those uh during those targets so uh you know whereas some of these deep guys some of these guys you know and antonio brown's a little bit different because he's a guy who's just a lead at separating even if he's not a deep guy those guys are just going to have less traffic to deal with when they're at the at the catch point so um yeah still some work to do there but i think it's really interesting just to see kind of the ways that people win but also what are the ways that they lose and and certain guys seem to lose in in those situations a lot more than others because of facets of their game and obviously maybe their quarterback has something to do with it too yeah i'm always fascinated to you know when to to get into the the depth of uh, how the stats work out or how you know the process works and i'm always very interested to hear that and it's always interesting too that to hear you talk about it now and maybe in you know a year or two this is something that we hear a lot a lot of people talking about you know a way to try and uh, figure out the efficiency of these guys heading into the draft so very very interesting and something i'm looking forward to seeing more of and of course you can see more of it on george's twitter handle which is at rotohack and of course follow his work for pro football focus fantasy but uh, i'll let you have the floor george anything uh, coming out in the, in the next couple of weeks or is it going to be a little bit downtime for you as you mentioned uh, as you try and relax here well, yeah, it's 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 always nice to relax, and this week I had a little bit of a chance to relax. But uh, I'm going to do some some kind of college wrap ups of of the bowl games and kind of look at it both from a Devi but also an NFL draft perspective. I'll be putting a couple of those out for Pro Football Focus, and then uh, probably for the next uh, month and a half or so, do some work kind of postseason type of analysis as well as some kind of dynasty advice, thinking about. You know, what are ways to kind of improve your dynasty team now as you head into the offseason? Players to get rid of, uh, players to keep an eye on, obviously NFL draft and, and all those fun things. But uh, but yeah, it's, it, it never ends, right, Colm? It never ends yeah. uh, <laughs> completely. You know, you have to just put in that next 14-hour shift, right? Yeah, it's just uh, it's pretty much a fourteen-hour shift every day uh, during the season. And then once you think, George, like you, like me, like you, who love playing Dynasty, and for the listeners, if you haven't tried Dynasty leagues yet, uh, just uh, jump in at the deep end, get involved in one uh, this off season. It's uh, just you know you think the season's over, and then it just wraps up or ramps up all again. And this is the stage of the year. Well, maybe not right now because you do have that kind of two or three week period. But once you hit the Super Bowl and you're getting ready then for the draft, you need to be knowing what the prospects are like, and you can hear george already talking about them in such detail uh, and you just want to be following that then through the whole process get your trades done try and get your team set up uh, for the next season it just never never stops in dynasty and that is uh, why i think we all love it so so much so follow him on twitter at rotohack you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and uh, of course check out all the uh, the other podcasts i've gone on as well 
with Rotovis, and uh, you know, I guess I better say now because the the next podcast will be in 2018, uh, which will be, of course, next week. Uh, Happy New Year to all the listeners off the show. Thanks for uh, staying with us throughout 2017, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side for 2018. So uh, until I'm back next week, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.